Welcome, everyone. We are the Tabernacle Podcast. We are the worship team and the worship department, Trinity Fellowship Church in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, the only way that we are able to do this is because of our amazing church, Trinity Fellowship. Um, we're based in Amarillo. We have lots of campuses. You can go check us out online at tfc.org. We have an amazing online campus as well, online community. Um, you can also be a part of our worship community. Yeah. Uh, reach out to us. You can find us at Tabernacle Worship. Um, all the various sites, just type out Tabernacle and take out all the vowels. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on uh, Facebook. Instagram. What are those things called? TikTok. Uh, TikTok. 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 Uh, TikTok. <laughs> um, we're on all of those things. But today is a very important day because we are rounding out the last stop of the tabernacle mm-hmm. of Moses, the journey of worship, as we call it. And today we're discussing what it's all about. Yeah. The Holy of Holies. Uh, now, why, Ronk, why is this stop for us? Why is this stop so important? What's what's so special about this stop in the journey? Oh man! Well, you, you think about it. So even the the phrase, like the way that we've described it, is a journey. Uh, every journey has a destination, right? The destination of our journey, whenever we're entering into worship um, or planning out our set list, is to come face to face with the Lord, right? And the Holy of Holies was that place for the Israelites. Uh, all the preparation of of a year's worth of you know one day a year their whole uh, calendar, their whole liturgy, if you will, uh, the calendar which they ordered their lives centered around the Day of Atonement. And within the Day of Atonement, centered around the uh, scapegoat ritual um, in which the high priest, the one and only high priest, would uh, make atonement for the sins of Israel on in the Holy of Holies. And that was the only day of the year that he was allowed to go in there. So um, the whole journey is all about the arrival here, face-to-face communion with God. And of course, you know, Fast forwarding, uh, the the shadow of of the tabernacle in the Old Testament was fulfilled uh, with Christ on the cross dying, mm. uh, the curtain being torn. I see you have the scripture here. We'll read it in a second. Or I'll go ahead and read it now. Uh, yeah, then Jesus shouted out again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. Rocks split apart. Um, so you have that moment there uh, where Jesus is crucified, and the, the, the simultaneously... The temple curtain, which was, uh, I'm not even sure how, how tall. The tabernacle curtain was like 15 feet tall. The temple curtain, I think, was even taller, like yeah, 30 big. feet maybe. I'm not sure exactly how tall, but uh, and four inches thick, according to Josephus. So this massive curtain was torn from top to bottom, uh, and now we have access to, to, to God's presence um, uh, to go boldly before his throne. Um, so the whole journey, the whole structure of, of how we think about worship uh, and planning sets and songs, all leads us to this point of face-to-face mm-hmm. communion, which has been granted to us uh, through the death and uh, resurrection of Jesus, right? So that's why it's so important. That's the whole purpose of the journey. It's all purpose. I'm also going to read Hebrews 4.15, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that mm-hmm. we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Mm-hmm. Um, also, something small that I can't skip over is... The description of that curtain is proof that there were rednecks in the days of the Bible because there was a man named Josephus. Oh <laughs> that is the most. How <laughs> that is the most redneck name. Josephus and Josephus. But really? Josephus is is for sure. Uh, there are all kinds of names that are very much Hebrew, biblical names. That, that makes sense. Josephus. Well, that uh, that was his. Uh, I'm Roman. sure we're pronouncing that. I'm sure we're butchering the pro- the pronunciation. It was his Roman name. He was a uh, sorry, a little bit of history on Josephus. He was a uh, I forgot what his actual first name was. Joseph, I think. Uh, Joseph Bar something. Uh, I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. At the time. But uh, so whenever he um, he was captured in the um, in a Roman, uh, they took over a Jewish territory and offered him the ability to be a uh, historian for them a servant um, who would write history for them uh, since he was literate and a scribe and could write. That's fascinating. Um, so he's, his, his Roman name was Josephus. So he was literate. He was definitely not a redneck. He was, <laughs> he was incredibly literate. He's, he's definitely not a redneck. Old Josephus. <laughs> okay. Or Joe, a.k.a. Joe. Joe. Yeah, Joe. He's good by Joe. Everybody has a Joe in their neighborhood. <laughs> oh um, Golly, that was incredible. Okay, so yeah. 
<laughs> we're we're going to cover some uh, historical things. We're going to cover some biblical things. But something I want to come back to, so help me remember this. You mentioned the scapegoat, um, which is where we get this common term that we use regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll come back to that. But so the Ark of the Covenant is when we go back and read this account of the tabernacle being built, the fascinating thing is that hmm. this was not this was not a structure to house something per se. This structure was built around the Ark of the Covenant. Hmm. So the Ark of the Covenant was the purpose of the structure, which I think is the more that I've studied this, that has been probably the thing that has stuck out to me so much is that this whole tabernacle concept is built around the Ark of the Covenant because the Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence would reside, which I love this picture is that Mm -hmm. this was not, hey, let's build a structure and then we'll just figure out where to put all this furniture this thing is the first thing built. Mm-hmm, right. so, so out of all of these instructions, there's tons of instructions given for what to build. The first thing is the Ark of the Covenant, right, right. which I find incredible. That's a great point. And then actually kind of like working its way out, you know, so the Ark of the Covenant is first and the holy place furniture. And then, so the, the holiest object or the the center of the, of the tabernacle, if you will, mm-hmm. and then working its way out yeah. in priority, which is really cool. Um, so something that's also interesting about this is the... <laughs> This took me a while to get my head wrapped around it. The description for the lid of the Ark of the Covenant is is a longer section than any of the other pieces of furniture. And it's longer than the description of the actual structure of the Ark of the Covenant. Hmm. But this lid is very fascinating. And I'm going to, I'm instead of trying to riff this off the top of my head, I'm going to give you, <laughs> I'm going to give you some of the um, actual Facts of this. Facts of this. Okay, so the explanation of the lid is longer than the entire description of the box. This lid is of utmost importance. The lid in Hebrew is called a kaporet. This word is a double entendre. It is the covering of the ark, but also represents the covering or blotting out of sin. Hmm. So this is really cool that what it does is also what it describes it doing. Isn't that crazy? So it's a lid for a, a covering of the box, but it also is reinforcing that that blood is covering the sins of people, but it's also a really cool metaphor of how it's going to cover yeah. for all of mankind. Okay. Absolutely. Um, as you would assume, uh, nope, I'm in the wrong place. Sorry. The thing it is, is also the thing that it does. This word is derived from the word. Pakor, per, uh, <laughs> you got it. You got it. <laughs> Hebrew, Hebrew. Uh, <laughs> parakeet. I keep wanting to say parakeet. Parakeet, <laughs> uh, which is also the word for curtain. Uh, which comes from the word parak, which means to shut or close. It draws a connection to the curtain dividing the holy place from the holy of holies. As the lid separates the outside from the contents in the box, so does the curtain separate the holy place from the holy of holies. To stress the idea further, the lid covers the contents while simultaneously representing the price paid to cover the act of atonement that covers the Israelite sins. Hmm. So there's a lot happening Hmm. With this, uh, with this piece of furniture. Uh, the lid on top is adorned with two cherubim, a common theme throughout the tabernacle. The cherubim are stitched into the curtains going into the holy place and the holy of holies. The cherubim sit atop the lid facing each other with wings outstretched. The negative space between their wings is what's called the mercy seat. The cherubim represents the heavenly joined with the earthly. These creatures had, had natural and supernatural elements. This is also what's on my arms mm-hmm. this, the, to, to help, you, help me remember. Hmm. Last little thing, the ark as a structure was the first thing built in this process. It's not the structure that's built first. It's the purpose and identity of why the structure that exists is built in the first place, then the structure around it. So there's, we can unpack that now, but that's mm-hmm. kind of the, um, I wanted to get, I wanted to say all of that and read it because it, it's if I was going to try to riff that and pull that off the top of my head, it was not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a, uh, that's a lot of stuff in there. Huh? But the idea of as the lid separates the outside from the contents of the box, so does the curtain that separates. So there's, there's so many cool things that the Lord puts into this. And this is what I, I will tell you this, this is a little side note. And we we've talked about this a lot. We can always take the word as it is. 
and it's life-changing, it's illuminating, changes us from the inside out. But the Lord has put all of these cool things, yes, not hidden, but buried in these words. When we talk about this is that you have the opportunity as the reader, if you're listening to this podcast, you have the opportunity to dig deeper into these scriptures through the Hebrew, the Greek, through study resources. Mm-hmm. In my own life, digging into this stuff has reawakened the word of God in a way that I've not experienced in a long time. It's changed things. And you get this kind of excitement from being like a like like an archaeologist. It's like you're digging through things and you're unearthing things and you're finding things. I would have my entire life I've taken those scriptures about the Ark of the Covenant at, at what it is. Right. Great. You're just describing what the thing is. Fine. That's great. Doesn't apply to us under the new covenant. How do I use this in my own life? Oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. No. There's all of this fascinating stuff and life-changing stuff to see that God put this much detail, this much attention, and put this much metaphor. Hmm. All of these yeah. cool... You know what I'm saying? Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just like vomiting here no no it's a it's a really important point though especially with the old testament like there's 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 such richness and uh it's one story right of of old testament new testament old testament pointing forward to christ and christ pointing back to the fulfillment of these shadows that are introduced like the tabernacle and the furniture in the tabernacle the priesthood uh melchizedek moses all these uh david all these like um people in israel's history all the things that God took them through the wilderness even is, is, is represented as Jesus is tested in the wilderness mm-hmm. for 40 days, 40 years in the wilderness for the Israelite people. You know, so you have all these connections that, that make it cohesive and um, it builds your faith in God that, that this was always the plan from the beginning. Like Jesus was always the plan. He was crucified from the foundations of the world. So when you're reading this, it actually encourages your faith when you're reading the description of the ark and, and just the level of, of meticulous detail that God put into it. Cause it's all, it, so it all points forward to Jesus. Whenever you look at all the, all the pieces of furniture and the, and the layout of the, of the tabernacle, it all points mm-hmm. forward to Jesus. And ultimately, whenever you read the, the old Testament like this, it strengthens your faith. When you read the new Testament and you're like, Oh, this was God's plan all along, you know? Sure. And how much more does he have a plan for, for me and my family and my community mm-hmm. and my city? Um, so there's all sorts of application you can make from that. But, um, read the Old Testament with with Jesus classes on and, and see how it points forward Absolutely. to him. And if you are looking for a resource, this, this changed my life. Um, the Gospel Translation, or what is it? The Gospel Study Bible? Yes, yes. yes. Uh, uh, the Gospel Transformation Study gospel Bible. Tra- <laughs> Crossway. <laughs> ESV, ESV Gospel Transformation gospel. Study Bible. <laughs> I'm making the a recommendation coalition? and just letting it <laughs> just flounder uh, on the beach. Ter- the Gospel Transformation. Transformation Study Bible mm-hmm. changed my life. It is the ESV translation, but the commentary that's underneath it does a brilliant job of connecting everything to the greater gospel story that's woven throughout the entire word. Now, what's amazing about this is that you can come across text like this where back in the day I would have read this and been like, this doesn't have anything to do with me. And when I've read the commentary, it blows my mind. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first things that tipped me off of like, okay, something's de- something bigger is happening here below the surface. I'm just taking it at face value. Right, right. Right. I'm walking by the sandbox and being like, well, it's just sand. That's all it is. It helped me as, as I started to read that, it helped me to, oh, there's something in here. I'm going to go ahead and get in the sandbox and let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then we start digging around and then we get into Logos. Then we get into Bible Hub. We get into the lexicon. We get into right. concordance and Greek and Hebrew. Right, right. And I know that some of you may be listening and you think, well, I'm, j- I'm just not that. I'm not heady not like me. that. It's yeah. not for me. I'm not, you know, super intellectual. No, I promise you, it will change the way that you consume the word. It will change the way that you study things because what it does is I've been slowly working my way through Exodus. I spent four or five straight days on just Exodus 32 going through it because it would, I would spend time and it'd be like, oh my gosh, just those three or four verses unpacking it. What is that? What does that mean? What is that word? Right. And then it leads you down what's actually happening in society at that time. What's the, what's the cultural norm? And again, I know that some of you are listening, thinking like, well, it's not that big of a deal to me. It's fascinating. It's the same way though, the way, the thing I would compare that to 
none nobody would be like, oh, if I watch a movie, it doesn't really matter who the characters are. It doesn't really matter the story. I'm not super into all that stuff. Well, then it doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, you don't have to be super nerd. Like, I'm into Star Wars, like, too much into Star Wars. I want to know behind the scenes. Same thing with Marvel stuff. I want to know behind, 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 behind. The, who's dad? Who's dad's dad? Great grandpa. I want to know all of it. But everybody needs to know the basic understanding of, well, who's that guy? Right. Why is he not like that guy? And to understand those things, it makes the story come alive in a whole different aspect. Yeah. And that's what's happening here is that you don't need to understand super deep theology to see how amazing it is that God put so much attention to detail into the lid. Right. Well, why? Uh, It seems kind of boring. No, dig. Dig for it. Mm -hmm. Some really cool stuff in there. Now... I'm going to read off another little thing that I wrote out that is helping to explain the base of the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. So inside here, will you tell us, what are the, what are the items inside the Ark? Well, we had, uh, we had a piece of the manna um, from, from God's miraculous provision for the, the children of Israel. We have Aaron's bod, uh, bod that rutted. <laughs> Golly, dad moment. You've been, moment, doing, you've been doing too many dad jokes. <laughs> Aaron's rod that budded. And the Ten Commandments. So we have those those three objects, uh, and each of them have some symbolic significance, which mm-hmm. we'll probably get to in just a minute. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like you said, we'll cover a couple things first. Um, the tablets that God gave to Moses were commanded to put inside the ark. Edut, E-D-U-T, is the Hebrew word used for the testimony or the tablets, uh, which comes from the word ud, which means to attest or bear witness. Another way to say it is that which testifies to God and his requirements and is used of the law as the Lord's testimony to himself. The ark lid, the ark, the lid, and the tablets are a single unity. The box itself is the foundation that the throne or lid rests on, and the testimony or the tablet sits inside the structure. This combination of things is what God is what God meets his people. Is man. I butchered this. I was writing this so fast. (laughs) This combination of things is where God meets his people and speaks. The testimony is the contract that God made with himself to be the God of the Israelites. The contract is inside the foundation and the throne of God. Hmm. So there's a lot Hmm. happening here, but this lid sits upon the throne. We've got this structure and then we have the mercy seat that sits on top. And inside it is this contract that God made with himself. Israelites couldn't hold up their end of the deal. Right. So the Lord right. swears by himself. I'm making a deal with me. Right. Making a deal with me <laughs> uh, to hold up your end of the bargain because you're not going to be able to. And this is what this entire structure is wrapped around. Hmm. Um, now, something else that I think is so fascinating about this is that on this side of the cross, the tabernacle now resides inside of us. Yeah. God's presence Isn't in our heart is what this structure is wrapped around, right? So our existence, this mortal figure, in a sense, is the outer walls and structure of the tabernacle, but the most important thing is the presence of God that resides inside of us, which is, that makes my brain melt. Oh, we could spend a lot of time on that. (laughs) Uh, But it makes me think of, uh, real quick, um, it makes me think of the New Covenant passage in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31. Uh, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, uh, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. To, so to comment on what Teal said about the um, um, the Ten Commandments being at the center of God's testimony to himself, we, now on the, on the other side of the new covenant, according to this passage, have had God's covenant testimony with himself by the Holy Spirit placed in our hearts mm. now. It, it's written on our hearts. It's no longer external. It's no longer judging us from the outside in. So cool, it's now man. written on on our hearts as we are um, now carry God's presence with us wherever we go, mm. as your tattoos demonstrate. Right, yes, we absolutely. are now the the um, the, the place the, the temple that God has chosen to to put His Spirit in mm. and uh, to write His law on our hearts. So, really cool um, um, piecing that together with what you said about the, the Ark of the Testimony being the mm-hmm. center of of, of the ark. Um, and what I love about this too, is that when, when God makes this covenant with himself, there's only one person in existence who maintained the rules of the covenant to perfection. Mm -hmm. 
and that was Jesus. So there's even this beautiful reaching into the future. We talked about this on the on the on the last one is that there's all these moments where God, because he's out outside of time and space, is constantly reaching back and reaching forward simultaneously. So this Absolutely. this is such a cool moment where it's like, hey, I'm going to swear by me because you can't uphold it. And there's going to come a better Moses hmm. that will be yep. the better leader. And he will be able to uphold this perfectly. And then that perfect lamb will be slain and that blood will pour down on the mercy seat. And never again will we have to do this. Hmm. So I'll it, be able to put my law into your hearts because you're now clean, made clean by my blood. Write yeah. them on the tab. I, it's, oh my gosh, man. It's really incredible. Okay, so let's let's go through piece by piece a couple of these other items. So the manna, um, let me see, what scripture is this? I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for you, which I will give for the life of the world. Um, so this is pretty cool. Um, I don't know why I didn't put the reference in here. but Anyways, I need to see where this came from. Uh, John 6, uh, 48 through 51. John 6, 48 through 51. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. That was so slow. That was well, so I knew, slow. Like, I knew generally like John yeah, 6 yeah. somewhere. And then you had the verse numbers in here. So I was just like, oh, thank you. Hey. <laughs> you said no, a chapter. What chapter? Like, I knew what chapter it was in. Like, so what is it? A... 40? Oh, yeah. They're right on my screen. Um, what is, so there's a really cool correlation between Jesus and each of these items. Yeah. Oh, we've talked about yeah. this before. What's the, what's the correlation here between Jesus and the manna? Well, um, man, you, since you've mentioned already kind of the, the idea of uh, man's helplessness uh, and how, how God had to swear a covenant by himself, the, the same thing was true. Um, so in the moment in Israel's history where, where God provided manna, they were stuck in the wilderness, mm -hmm. no hope, no food, no ability to provide for themselves. But God, you know, day in and day out provides them uh, daily bread, sustains them. Um, for for a long period of time until they're able to enter the promised land and then able to mm. um, to eat there, um, but it just represents God's miraculous provision um, and ultimately points to points to Jesus as the he, he's the one that our physical hunger is just a physical representation of the spiritual reality that we need. Yeah. We are spiritually hungry people. That's we are thirsty. Really we are thirsty people, right? Uh, Jesus said, "Come to me, all who are thirsty, and I'll give you a drink." Um, we all have longings, right? We all have deep longings within us that that can only be met by Jesus, mm -hmm. right? I don't know As what I don't know what time, time said, mark this is, but that needs to be one of the clips <laughs> right there. I'm clapping <laughs> so that Talon knows. Hey, when you see a big spike in the, like, in the screen, you what know happened to the audio here? Because <laughs> that's brilliant. I mean, yeah. that's it's not just that. Oh, you know, Jesus was the bread of life, and this was bread. It's something so much deeper. Yeah, it points to the the the, the reality. Ultimately, yes. right? The ultimate reality, the spiritual. As you said this a lot, talking about physical things demonstrating a spiritual truth. How, bread is like that for the Israelites, and and is like that in the Bible. It, it's mm -hmm. used for for um, nourishment and sustaining and and filling, um, and ultimately points to our greatest need, which is spiritual. It's kind of what we do when we fast. You know, we remind yeah. ourselves of of what we're really hungry for, and whenever we fast and and uh, don't partake of our physical hunger, uh, our spiritual hunger is awakened yeah, and, man, and we can really feed it. Uh, so Jesus is our, is the bread of life. So that's this really cool connection to that. The other item here is Aaron's rod. Um, and the voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. So what did this, in this culture at the time, what did the rod, who was carrying this rod? Uh, it, it was the priest, right? It yes. was it was the priest yes, who, yes, had the, who had the who had the who had the authority. And okay, so the word authority, right, carries with it within it. You know, the English word kind of hints back to what the Hebrew word means, author, right? If you uh, you have authority from someone, you know, if I write a book, I have the authority to give somebody else rights to it. Same with a song, I have mm -hmm. the authority as the author and creator, quote unquote. You know, right? We, as we all know that 
we truly aren't creating anything, but sure. as, as the, the, the creator of, of the, the, the content that I make or whatever, I can, I have the authority. It, it's my right to just to decide what's done with it. So the same is true with, with, um, the priestly authority as God has, uh, set up a priesthood to be his authority, to be mm-hmm. his, his representatives on earth, um, to represent him to the people and also to represent the people back to God. And on the, on the other side of the new covenant, uh, first Peter two, nine tells us we're a Royal priesthood, yeah. uh, right? We're, we're chosen people set apart, uh, to proclaim the excellencies of God, uh, him who called us out of darkness into marvelous light. So, um, so it represents authority. Um, God's God confirmed, you know, so, so the episode that this came from was God confirming, uh, his choice. People were grumbling against, Hey, we see Aaron and his, and his descendants are chosen priests. We don't think that he should be the only one who has access to this. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, well, we're going to bring rods and, and, um, you put your rod down and Aaron put his rod down and whoever's rod buds will be the one that God has chosen. And of course, Aaron, uh, he had selected Aaron as, as the, uh, priest to represent himself. And on this side of cross, uh, we're all given that authority. Mm. Uh, so we talked about the great commission with the interns last week and, um, Jesus giving us all authority in heaven and earth have been given to him. And he says, therefore go as my representatives, I give you authority to go out and to preach the gospel, to baptize and yeah. to teach everybody uh, to obey all that I have commanded you. And I'm with you till the end so of the age. Cool. And then our last piece that we've already, um, we already kind of touched on was the Ten Commandments or the testimony. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to abol- I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Mm. So we've talked about this and uh, kind of already alluded to this, but Christ came to be the fulfillment of the law. That the law was gracious in its existence. Mm-hmm. So this is we've been talking about this a lot for the last year or so. That this idea of the law is this kind of like, oh, the law is a bad thing. It's a bunch of rules and regulations, whatever it is. It was the kindest, most gracious thing God could have given the people of Israel because it was it was the Wild West. There was a lot of chaos going on. Uh, these people are just wandering around in the desert. So just for just for context, there's probably about six to seven million people. Mm, of people. Walking around. This is not like some some this would be like looking back a thousand years ago and be like, man, I wonder, wonder why they had cops and needed laws and stuff like that. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of chaos that can break out. Yeah. Six to 7 million people need some, some rules, mm-hmm. need some laws. So God graciously is like, here, my, my original plan was for you guys to just be in relationship with me and I'll, I'll help you know what to do and what not to do. But you guys keep oh, man. messing that up. So I'm going to give you some basics and which I love in this is in the Ten Commandments, the first two. If you follow the first two, then all the other commandments fall in line, which is mm-hmm. have no other gods before me. And then don't worship the stuff that I make. <laughs> so I've made you all this cool stuff. Don't worship me. Don't worship that. Mm-hmm. Don't worship the horse. Worship the guy who made the horse. Mm-hmm. Don't worship the dirt. Worship the God who made the dirt. Don't worship the trees. Worship the person who made the trees, right? <laughs> Modern context, though, y'all. Modern context, okay. man. Don't worship the position. Don't worship the, the, the pastoral position that you have. Don't worship the, the songs that you can write. Don't worship the, man, the abilities, man. the talents that you have. Worship the one who gave them to That's you. That's really good. Uh, yeah, because it, be, it can be kind of easy to, oh, yeah. <laughs> They're worshiping trees. What a bunch of idiots. Yeah, that's like. Well, and then today it's like, oh, actually, you know, <laughs> S- Stephen, you're kind of worshiping your, your your musical ability a little bit. And, Talon, yeah, this is another uh, one. You know. I'm putting <laughs> another clap right there. That's a that's a that's sorry. A trying to, right there. to trying to put some put some context that's with it. That's a great one. But uh, so back to your point, though, I think that that is such a, a an important distinction to make of God's commandments. God giving commandments wasn't. Um, it was out of desire to protect not to, to restrict or to yeah. control or, you know, all the, all the negative things that get associated with like, uh, commandments of like, mm-hmm. you know, people are just trying to restrain me. It's like, well, actually I think in some ways <laughs> yeah, that's, actually, uh, that's what God he was trying yes, to restrain our, our, our sinfulness, you know, and restrain our, our sinful nature. That was just, you know, as we've all read the first 11 chapters of Genesis or whatever, it's just Oh, man. humanity just continues flood you know tower babel you know it's like just over and over again the same uh the same story um i see you left out my favorite part of genesis when you <laughs> <were thinking laughs> <seeing it. laughs> 
I skipped over Genesis 1 yeah, through 6, Genesis 1 six. to 6, 5. And <laughs> Steven, it's a different podcast. That is. That is. Stay, stay, tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, uh, so with that, Christ comes in his physical form and is the manifestation of all three items. So he is the bread of life. He's the priest king mm-hmm. and he's the fulfillment of the law. It's his blood that was sprinkled on the mercy seat once and for all that allows us access into his presence. Do you remember the quote that you said to the interns? There was something about the priesthood that was just so good. Uh, do you remember what it says? Like the privilege is yeah. uh, priestly. Oh, uh, the, the priestly uh, duty is mediation. The priestly privilege is access. Or something yes, along those lines. something like that. Let me find um, out. I've got it somewhere in here. Stinker. Sorry, I, I I put you on the spot, but that was such a good quote. Whenever you said it, it was like, oh, his, man. Uh, the priest's privilege is the presence of God, mm-hmm. but his 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 responsibility is mediation. Mm-hmm. So he has yeah. access to the presence of God, but his bigger responsibility is to make sure that the people. Isn't that true of believers today? You know, yeah, like man. like like you, you can parallel that with like the Great Commission mm-hmm. of the the privilege it is to worship God, to know God, to be in God's presence, um, to know him in Christ. Right. And then our responsibility, our duty is the great commission to go and make him known and to mediate between, um, to evangelize and, and make disciples and, and tell them be the priest who, who represents God to somebody and says, Hey, did you know about what God's like? Did you know what Jesus did? Uh, did you know that there's hope? Um, so it's just a really cool. So whenever you said that quote in the internship, it was like, I didn't remember that. Um, but yeah, that's really, um, that's really cool. So the Holy of Holies, what, uh, so we didn't talk about this, the size of the Holy of Holies and kind of what the environment was like in there. What was, you know, it was, how big was it? Yeah. So how big the, was the room? it's, if we, you know, last time we talked about the Holy place, the Holy place had, um, three pieces of furniture in it. The Holy of Holies has one piece of furniture in it, which is the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, the Holy of Holies is smaller so these two buildings together, if you think about them as one big building, I would say the Holy of Holies is one third yeah. of that building, of that structure. So it's a smaller space, which again, the, the high priest during this era, the Hebrews being in, in the desert, would have gone in there one time a year. Mm-hmm. And that was the Day of Atonement. And this is where we'll get back to the scapegoat concept. But... This is not an everyday room that they're they're entering into. But two, to connect this back to what we started talking about several weeks ago when we talked about the the overarching view of the tabernacle was this whole structure is built so that there is a place for God's presence to tabernacle among his people. Mm -hmm. So God's presence doesn't hover over the altar. It doesn't hover over the gate. It doesn't hover over the laver. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even do anything with the holy place. It resides in the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. After you've done these things, now your heart's ready. Yeah. And we will talk about, I mean, we, we've talked about this as well. The, the reality of this, as the clock continues to move forward and we have Solomon's temple, we have all these different versions of the temple. Mm-hmm. This is a, you know, this is a bit of a scary role if you're the high priest. Yeah. Because if you're not clean, if your heart's not in the right place, they wore bells mm-hmm. around their waist and they had a rope tied to their foot because it was a very common occurrence that if you did not have, if you were not clean heading into the Holy of Holies, you were going to drop dead. Mm-hmm. And so if the bell stopped ringing, you got dragged out <laughs> because otherwise no one's going in there to get you because now that your dead body's in there, it's not a clean environment. So if anybody walks in, we're just going to keep stacking <laughs> Just There's no way to get them out. Body yeah, stack no get up out. in the holy of holies. Golly, um, golly, I can't imagine. Which uh, we're joking around, but it's it's the reality of it is that sure. we're still talking about the presence of a holy God. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why you know th- that word privilege. Um, whenever we're talking about priesthood, um, yeah, I mean, I think that there's just such a even in my own life, like like uh, recently or over the past few years, it's like I've been kind of awakened or like, like reemphasize the, the idea of this, um, fear of the Lord really is, mm-hmm. is, is the phrase is, is God's holiness. Um, 
and the tabernacle really was all about God's holiness. Like the whole, you mentioned the whole process of, you know, God's presence didn't reside except for the Holy of Holies. Like there yeah. was no, he wasn't able to come in contact with anything that was, that was not perfectly holy uh, and perfectly pure and, and clean. Um, so, so every day, you know, as, as God had chosen to dwell in their midst graciously, right. Mm-hmm. You know, the, so the idea isn't that God was there and just desiring to, he was trying to, he was blessing the people with his presence he was blessing them with protection. He was blessing them with, with knowledge of of himself and giving them a way that they can commune with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it really was a privilege. And then, of course, how much more whenever on the other side of the cross where we now have the full revelation of of God's plan carried out, fulfilled in Jesus, uh, how much of a privilege it is to just come into God's presence. And sometimes we can treat it flippantly uh, and not consider like, the reality of the God that we worship and, yeah. and, and his holiness really is, is, is the word for it, you know? Um, so that's kind of been on my, my mind. And so anytime we talk about the Holy of Holies, uh, Holy, <laughs> obviously, right? Holy of Holies, it's in there, you know, it's in the most holy place. Uh, it's the holiness is all uh, what the tabernacle is about, especially this room. Well, and you taught on this on Tuesday, you talked about the holiness of God and I've still been chewing on this, that, you asked the question to the interns, which was funny, was, hey, what is holiness? And it's a it's a complicated word to really describe because it's a lot of things. Sure, sure. And what we, you know, what we were talking about yesterday is that it's holiness is really this incredible umbrella attribute that that holds all of these other attributes that mm-hmm. only God really embodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, we, you know, yes. for an example to walk in all of the fruits of the spirit, to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, you go through all of them, to walk in all of those fully would embody holiness. Mm -hmm. And so God is the, which is so amazing that he calls us holy because he's holy. And we know that we're not, right? you know, but God sees us that way Mm -hmm. because he puts on those Jesus colored glasses and looks at us and sees Mm. his perfect son. But this concept of holiness is the, and I know this is like a super cornball, um, but I always use this as a reference. Like if you were to see a dinosaur in real life, mm-hmm. there would be conflicting feelings between scared to death and, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. Like it's a dinosaur. It's a real dinosaur in front of me. So there's this, there's these two feelings that are simultaneously happening where, oh my gosh, I'm in the presence of God. And oh my gosh, I'm in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Like those, like it's, mm-hmm. it's the exact same statement, but there's two different uh, uh, expressions of it. That yeah. there's a, there's a, there's different awe emotions. and wonder yeah, yeah. of this is amazing, beautiful. And then like, I can't move. Mm-hmm. I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. And we, we talk about this a lot. It's like, well, how do, what, we have these different kind of ideas of what we do, these heart postures at each of the stops. Well, what's the heart posture of the Holy of Holies? And I know this sounds like Yoda speak uh, when I say this, but the, the the heart posture of the Holy of Holies is to just be. You're not there to do anything. You can't. You're in the presence of a holy God. Hmm. Just be in his presence. <laughs> Being in his presence changes you. It's not the place to, and, and I, I understand. I'm saying this from the from the understanding of I get it. When you're in that moment, you're like, oh my gosh, I, I feel bad for all the stuff I've done or I'm, I'm not worthy. I mean, you you want to start like groveling or I'm sorry. But just be in his presence. It's not where we ask for stuff. It's not where we start listing off the stuff that we wish was different. And I, I, I explain this to interns as well. If my baby girl comes and climbs up in my lap and wants to be with me and I'm holding her and we're having a moment, we're just watching a movie, I'm loving on her. And she looks up at me and she's like, Hey, can I, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I get this? Can I have the, can I have a different one of these? There's a part of me that's like, you're ruining this moment. Sure. <laughs> you know, like sure. just be with me. Mm-hmm. Just enjoy it. I'm not saying that you can't, and I'm not petty enough that I'm like, get out of my lap. But the idea is like, just be with me, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Just be in this place. Or even if she was like, Hey, I'm so sorry for yesterday. And I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't clean my room. And I'm sorry that I didn't do this. And she starts listing off all this stuff. I would be like, just be with me. Mm. All you got to do, just be in this moment, be present. 
That's another fun one that we'll we'll touch on here in just a second. But be <laughs> with me here. Be present in this moment. Isn't that oh man? As you're talking, sorry, that's an it's eye, a hard thing an for eye us closer. to do. Like, like trying to imagine, <laughs> trying to imagine, try, trying to imagine it. You know. And I was thinking as as you're talking about your baby girl asking you for stuff while she's sitting on your lap. Uh, it's it's like part of you just wants her to just enjoy being present with you and enjoy the relationship, you know, cause as she's asking, she's not content. Yeah. She's not really enjoying uh, really, being with that's you. That's a really good you know? point. That's the, the, brilliant. The Lord, the Lord is the that's same brilliant. way. Like if we continue to go and, and spend time with him and we're like, dad, it's so great to be with you. It's so great. Thank you so much for all that you give me. And I was wondering if I could have this and he's just like, I'm, you, you can, but, um, he, his, his desire is that you would be satisfied in him mm-hmm. first and, and, and only back to the first commandment, have no other gods before me. And it's not like he's trying to restrict you. He's trying to give you this joy and this satisfaction in him that can only happen whenever you are truly satisfied in him. Yeah, Cause there's still that's some it. part of you that's thinking, yeah, but if I had this something, thing, something else that I need, then right. this moment would be perfect. No, no, no. <laughs> just, just be me. Yeah. Me and you, you know, just be, um, which is, this is, this is the privilege. Say, it's the privilege. right? I yeah. will say this, this stop, for especially all the worship heads out there that really love the idea of like, well, let's just soak, let's just be in his presence. This is hard. This is really hard to put into practice because it's not about you. It's not about anything you can give to him. It's not about anything you can say. To, like it's, you're so not in the picture. You're not in the equation. This is just being with him. And I will tell you, this is the hardest one for me because this just requires just sitting and being still mm-hmm. in his presence. And it's the hardest thing for us. Well, maybe I should journal. No, I'll put on some worship. No, just sit. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe I should read that. No, just sit. <laughs> just, like it's very yeah. hard for us to just sit and be in it, mm-hmm. which leads me yeah. to our other fun concept here is we've, this came from, this came from a podcast I was listening to on the Bible project where they were, discussing the concept of eternity. And this flipped my brain upside down so much that it ended up being right side up again. (laughs) Um, It was, but we've, I've always thought about eternity as endless days, right? Forever and ever. I never get older, blah, blah, blah. And they propose, not propose, they explain this concept of eternity as the ever eternal present. There is no tomorrow. There is no previous day. It's just this moment Hmm. with no time. We never run out of time because there is no time. Hmm. So I'm present with you and it's just me and you. Nothing's changing. We're not running out of time. (laughs) It's like our brains, our brains really cannot comprehend this because I think part of the timekeeping aspect of our life is part of the fall. It's part of the curse yeah, is that sure. time has now started mm-hmm. because I, I don't think this is just my own personal belief. I'm not saying there's anything biblical connected to this. It's just my personal belief that in the garden, Adam and Eve walking with the Lord, there was no, you know, two hours from now, 24 hours from now, I got to go do this. It was just being present mm. in the moment. There would have been nothing to keep time with. There'd have been nothing to keep time for. Right. But part of that curse is, hey, now the clock has started. Yeah. You're never going to have enough time. You're always going to wish you had more time. You're always going to be running out of time. Yeah. Time is always going to be against you. Yeah. And this idea of, well, what does eternity look like? You couldn't fathom it even if you wanted to think about it because it's the eternal present nonstop. I just, yeah. I mean, try to imagine not having any past memory not having any future desire, but being wholly satisfied just in the moment. <laughs> it's, a, it's really hard to imagine like not having the, an awareness of the past or, oh, uh, and then also like within that, like, you know, so with time coming into play at the, at the fall, um, you think about like everything is, so the word is entropy. Everything tends toward decline. So we're, you know, we're always running out of time. We're running out of resources. We're running out of, our bodies running out of energy, sure. our, you know, our, our, our bones are breaking, you know, everything is tending towards death. Um, 
but to be in a place where you are wholly alive and nothing is changing. There's no future worry. Uh, there's no past regret. Um, you are simply just being present, wholly taken care of and provided for by the Father. No more day or night anymore. Those mm. things have passed away. God's presence is now fully in our midst. In that garden, God visited, and and the sun and moon were around. So there was day and night, right? There was there was time passing. I think I think there might have been time sure. passing before that. You know, that's obviously up to up for debate. But I think there was there was day and night. You know, there was there was uh, days of the week as well. There was time that was passing. Um, but in eternity, there won't be because there's going to be no mm-hmm. no more night, no more separation from God sure. either. You know, Adam and Eve experienced visitations from God. You know, whenever they sinned, God wasn't there when the serpent approached them. God yeah. came later and visited and said, where are you? Uh, yeah. You know, you've been hiding from me. Um, and also that's just a really cool picture of, of new Jerusalem, new Eden eternity with God is going to be a place where uh, there's no more um, separation. There's no more evil. There's no more, um, past or future just simply the present for uh, forever which is hard to it's hard to imagine it's a greater glory mm-hmm. much greater glory than adam and eve ever had it's not just oh, a yeah. restoration but it's actually like god pulling us into himself much like yeah, yeah. infinitely better almost you know like like i would hate to put a, like a, a quantity on it but it's it's so much better than adam and eve even had it in their yeah know, great relationship with the lord and had everything provided for mm-hmm. everything was good but everything will be perfect and, and yeah. not lacking anything for all of eternity. No more pain, sickness, sorrow, um, past, future, just just enjoying uh, being with God, which is yeah. it's beautiful. And two, I mean, before we wrap up, I think we were talking about this right before we started this episode, but there's a fascinating connection between our past and our future and how Satan comes to influence us and lie to us because what I was mm. what I was mentioning to use I, I heard this quote this morning uh, from a podcast hilariously this is from a golfing podcast I don't know why this came across my feed but this was fascinating to me because I really started thinking about it and the, the question that was posed is what is the opposite of being anxious and the opposite of being anxious that this guy poses is the opposite of being anxious is being present because anxiety immediately puts you into either the future or the past Worrying or fearing something that's going to happen or wishing you could change something about what did happen. (laughs) So anxiety pulls you out of the present. Mm -hmm. I can't physically be present with you because I am in another time. I'm either in the future or I'm in the past. But I physically, my my mental space cannot be here. I can physically be here, but which you and I both know there's nothing more discouraging than spending time with somebody that you know is mentally not there oh man and nothing more convicting than than people recognizing you're not there either oh, whenever, whenever you're gosh. like hey steven you we're talking about me? kids wives <laughs> and they look at you and they're like are you are, are you here are you even uh, here man because if you're not going to be here we'll go but, do something different but to your point uh whenever christine or or you know kids say that to me i am either in the future or i'm in the past Absolutely. I'm thinking about something that happened or I'm, th- I'm thinking earlier. I'm like, I'm, I'm imagining something that's going to happen in the future mm-hmm. or worrying about it, for example. Absolutely. Uh, and both are out of, out of our control, right? And the enemy is coming in constantly to either drum up stuff from your past or project things in your future. Hmm. I don't know if God's good enough to take care of that. Or who do you think you are? Do you remember all this stuff that you used to do? Hmm. What do, you do? Hmm. You're an imposter. Hmm. That's where imposter syndrome comes from. It's from him. You you couldn't you can't tell people about that. You can't you can't talk about this. What do you? You were doing that same thing last You're year. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. You're a yeah, hypocrite. Sure. You can't be doing that. Mm-hmm. You need to, you need to know more. You need to be you need to grow up more in the spirit before you start sharing that with other people. You need you can't share your testimony. Hmm. Hmm. Satan comes to be in one of those two spaces. Yeah. Because in the present, when we're present, and Satan's like, hey, um, you know. She's lying to you right now. And you're like, no, she's not. She's like, I'm talking to my wife right now. <laughs> she's not like a physic, like she is not lying to me, but it's the projection of, Hey, maybe she's, maybe she's going to lie to you. Yeah. You know, did she lie to you last week about that? You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's like the, the present is hard to, it's hard to fabricate what's currently happening. Right. If yeah. I tell you right now, Hey, you know, there's a bomb going off. You're like, there's 
definitely not right. that not, happening. <laughs> that's, that's, I can tell you with certainty yes, that's not happening yeah. right now. Right. But what if that does happen? Right. What if that is going to happen? Right. It's, right. Mm-hmm. These are ridiculous things, but there's. I think that there's a reason why God's presence and the word present are so closely related. Mm-hmm. Is to be in his presence is to be present. Yeah. To be in this moment. A hundred percent, man. That's where God wants us to live, right? Absolutely. He wants us to live in the present with him. In his presence. I'm not thinking about like, are you going to be, is, is your presence going to still be good tomorrow? Right. I'm not thinking about that. You're not worrying about tomorrow. You're not thinking about the past either. And it's interesting too, because you, as you mentioned, the I was talking to Talon about this as, as we were preparing for the podcast, but um, uh, what was I going to say? <laughs> And it's gone. It's gone. And it's and gone. And I'm a dad. <laughs> uh, golly. Yeah, so we're talking about God's God uh, being being present, past. You were and, talking and to Talon. future. I was talking to Talon. You were wearing a blue shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Help me out, to The keys. Yeah, keys. I'm like, golly. <laughs> I need to make myself some notes on my hand or get some like a sticky note in here. Um, it, so we were talking about um, being, uh, oh, it's interesting that that God ministers so much to this in the Word. As I was I was I was talking to Talon about, like God repeatedly tells us over and over again, "Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Don't be just be present today. I'll take care of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I have forgiven you for your sins. Mm-hmm. Do not go back to that old life. You have been crucified with Christ. You are a new creation. Stop bringing up the past. Stop mm-hmm. worrying about the future. Sure. <laughs> like God knows, uh, and He's so merciful and gracious to us to give us." abundant evidence of his, his faithfulness in the past and therefore his, his future grace that'll be present with us. So I think it's very significant. Okay. So I want to look this up real quick. Cause I want to think about what this says. Okay. So this just popped in my head. The idea of the word says in second Corinthians, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So I don't think I'm reaching here, but this is, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring this out as we're talking. You can't be obedient retroactively and you cannot plan to be obedient in the future. Obedience can only maintain, it can only take place in the present. Right. So take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Bring it into the present. Is that true? Is that who God says he is? I don't know if he's going to be faithful next week. Y'all are running low on money. Mm -mm. Mm. What's God said right now? Right. He owns owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he's going to clothe the lilies, if he's going to feed the birds, he's going to take care of me. Mm. That's a fascinating thing Mm. to think about is those thoughts that are either reverse projecting or forward projecting. Bring them into the present. Make them obedient. Make them obedient right now. And Jimmy Evans talks about that word uh, is to, to put it at a spear point. Yeah. Like put, put that spear on its neck. Is that true? <laughs> That's so if cool. If not, you know, that is so stab cool. it uh, mm. and, and put it to death. And as you do that, you're going to experience change and renewal of your mind as you, because that's ultimately what God wants us. He wants us to reflect his image and to know him and to, mm-hmm. and to resemble him. Uh, because whenever we do, we, we live a life present yeah, and, we're, and, we're, and we're full of joy and, and, and love. Come on. So. That's awesome. Okay. So Holy of Holies, some describers of this stop are awe, wonder, being face-to-face, being a part of him, sacredness, a consecrated thing. Any other words you can think of? Uh, is holy in there? Yeah, yes, holy. Yes, there it is. There <laughs> Sorry, it is, definitely. That's my go-to. Yeah, glad go you caught to. that one. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking of, so, so yeah, I was thinking of, uh, of songs that, that go along with that, and I'm thinking about like things that those songs commonly say mm-hmm. that would describe that, that stop. So the, the, the songs we have listed are Where You Are, uh, The Goodness of God, You Have Won My Heart, uh, Waymaker, When You Walk Into the Room, and Our, our Own Holy of Holies, Holy aptly, of Holies, which comes out next named. week, which is exciting. We we did this song this weekend, Where You Are, Leland's, uh, Leland's song, Where You Are. Uh, and I was just thinking of how great that song was. We hadn't done it in a long time. Oh, and man, as, so we were, as we were in you the Holy of Holies. You did this weekend? Did you really? Did you no, hear it too? We tagged it at the end of uh, Julia-led Goodness of God. Oh, wow. And okay. at the very end of it, she went into the chorus of, of where you are. Mm. That's cool. That's, I didn't realize you guys did that. I didn't either. I didn't realize you did that. <laughs> it was so this awesome. Uh, the chorus is, is, and I just want to be where you are. I just want to be near your heart. There is nothing like your love. 
there is nothing like your love. So you have a lot of language there kind of describing just God's holiness. There's nothing mm-hmm. like his love. His, his love is holy. Um, and our desire is, I just want to be where, you know, that is present tense. I just want to be where you are. Not I'm, I desire to be there in the future or I wish I was there in the past, but uh, present tense, I, I want to be where you are. Um, and then the bridge is just a response to being in his presence. Mm-hmm. Holy, 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 uh, Jesus, I love you. Jesus. I mean, just simple, yeah, such a great but, song. but such a effective, holy of holy song sitting in his presence. Another one. I mean, I know that most people already know this song, but just reading the lyrics of goodness of God is, is one of the most perfect examples of our posture in the Holy of Holies is this says, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Hmm. And we could read this entire thing, but every time this song references I, it's in response to what God's done mm-hmm. or how good he is. It's not about my needs because that's, again, we're not, that's, it's, that's not the time and place in the Holy of Holies is to sing about the things that I need or the things that I want. This is a response. So we've, we've expressed to the Lord in the holy place, Hey, here's the stuff that I'm needing. I need more of you. I need Mm. help in this area. As we go into the Holy of Holies and we are undone in his presence, we're overwhelmed by his goodness. Mm. Our response is only, yeah. I will sing of the goodness of God. Bow reverence. Bow yeah, reverent. Uh, I'm on my face. I love your voice. Mm-hmm. You have led me through the fire in the darkest night. Mm-hmm. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. I mean, these are, um, these are, it's just a really great response to what's happening when we enter into the Holy of Holies. And we've got, yeah. I mean, there's several songs, uh, other songs on here, but that's kind of the idea is that, if you're picking songs and you're looking for Holy of Holy songs, the idea is that you want lyrics that are towards the Father. Yeah. And we've, this is really cool because this whole journey of worship thing is like a big circle because the posture and song lyric content that you want for the Holy of Holies is very similar to the gate. It is. The it? gate, we come in high praise. It's all about who God is, mm-hmm. how amazing he is. Holy Holy is pretty much the same thing. It's interesting, man. As, as we've been doing the, uh, so I just had this thought as you were talking about it and thinking about, okay, what's the difference? Because the gates and the Holy Holies do have similar, you know, um, qualities or things you're looking for about God-centeredness um, and and praising Him. Um, but we, so traditionally, you know, theologians have divided the character of God into um, incommunicable and communicable or the incommunicable portion is also sometimes called his greatness, right? The big, the mm-hmm. big attributes, the the all powerful, all present, the big, almighty, yeah, self sufficient, yeah. infinite, uh, and his goodness. So we have his greatness, then we have his goodness, which is his nearness, like the ways that we're called to resemble him, his his closeness, his fatherliness, his yeah. uh, his goodness, his. Um, so as you were singing those or singing those lyrics, as you were as you were reading those lyrics, I was thinking of like that song just has all of those good attributes of God, like his relational closeness mm-hmm. to us and, and thanking him for it. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for being good. Thank you for being trustworthy, very intimate, very close. Right. Whereas at the gate, it's like, you're like, like a trumpet, you know, you're yeah. just shouting out. Like, well, we talk about God that. It's is the awesome. Big God is great. God is awesome. Yeah. God is big. Mm-hmm. God is powerful. Uh, you know, uh, so that's kind of the difference between the two very similar in exalting God, right. And God's character. But one is, is usually talking more about his greatness. Like there's nothing our God can't do. He's all powerful. He is amazing. That's a really great. He's done great things. That's a very great distinction. Um, And then the, the, the holy play or the holy of holies is a very intimate, like, man, you are so good and so merciful and so kind. Um, very relational focus. Mm So I love it. All right. Well, everybody that wraps up our, was this six parts? That was the sixth episode. Yeah. Sixth episode of our podcast. Um, this has been a really amazing thing. This is now, we're now going to be jumping into some other content related to worship. We will always be attaching things back to the journey of worship and the tabernacle, but we wanted to lay a groundwork here, a foundation for what we're referencing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you find yourself somewhere in episode 12, 13, 18, 25, and you're wondering what these things are, Come back to episodes one through six 
uh, so that you can understand kind of what we're talking about. But we will constantly be referencing the tabernacle in some some form or fashion. Right, right. Um, but um, this is exciting. This is a little That's benchmark fun. for us to, be, to, to have gone through this. Um, so as always, we're really thankful that you took time out of your week, out of your day to listen, to be a part of us. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, we would ask you to go do that. You can find us on all the various social media platforms. Also, I don't know why Apple does this, but the way that um, podcasts move up in the pecking order is through good reviews. So if you yeah. have the opportunity to, to, to go on um, Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review, that'd be really awesome. Be We'd amazing. really appreciate it. And uh, as always, if you're looking for a home church, come be a part of Trinity Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Whether it's here, any of our campuses online, uh, we'd love to have you. So yeah. until we see you next week, mm-hmm. have a good one. See ya.